You're listening to Cross Section, the podcast of the Summit View Church of Christ. Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord lifts I want to thank Nathaniel for the choice of songs, because especially is it well with your soul? Because there's a good introduction to our study this morning. When Kevin asked me if I'd like to begin the new year with a lesson, I jumped at the opportunity, mainly because something had been going around and around in my mind. And I thought about it for myself, and I thought it probably would relate to each one of you. I want to start with two individuals from the Old Testament. One is a grandfather, and the other is a grandson. The grandfather is Abraham, and in Genesis chapter 25, Abraham has died at the age of 175. And this is what it says about Abraham's life. He was an old man and satisfied with life. I'd like you to remember that words satisfied with life. He had a grandson named Jacob. Jacob is now an old man when you get to Genesis chapter 47. Jacob has been brought down to Egypt because of the famine in his land and because he wants to be united with his son Joseph. He is shown to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh asks him, what about your life? And this is what he said, 130 years, few and unpleasant have been my life. Most of us find ourselves between those two categories, satisfied with life, unpleasant life. And so that brought me to 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6 through 8. Because Paul gives advice to the young man Timothy that as we begin a new year, seems to me to be right on target. He wrote to Timothy, godliness with contentment is great gain. We brought nothing into this world, we'll take nothing out of this world. If we have food and raiment, let us be content. And later on, when Paul wrote to the Philippian congregation, he says that he had learned that very thing, contentment. It's in so short supply in our world today that it seems to me what Paul had learned would be good for us. And so I hope that you will have a Bible. There are Bibles in the pews or your own, that you'll turn to the book of Philippians, to Philippians chapter 4. And we're going to spend all of our time in the letter to the Philippians. It's a very positive letter, a very good letter. And maybe it can help us to understand what he meant to Timothy. And he said, godliness with contentment is great gain. As you look with me at chapter 4, come to verse 10, and we'll read down through verse 14. Watch for the word learning 
and the things that Paul now knew. Verse 10, But I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak from want, for I have learned, I have learned to be content in whatever circumstance I am. I know how to get along with humble means. I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you've done well to share with me in my affliction. That passage of scripture, so personal, and the letter to the Philippians is a very personal letter, is the place that we want to try and connect what he wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6 and verse 6, and to what he has learned himself here. And so, first of all, I want us to think a little bit about a word that appears in both places, and that's contentment. How would you define contentment? It's something we all long for, but there seem to be so many things that get in the way. But since it's in Scripture, it said to me, as I was thinking about it before, way before I prepared the lesson, what is the connection between godliness and the contentment that I ought to feel in my life? I believe Abraham would understand, Paul. I'm not sure that Joshua would. I'm not sure that he would, or pardon me, Jacob would understand it because his life was unpleasant. I would rather go with Abraham who had led a very happy life, a good life. And so think with me a little bit about this passage. A little bit later on we're going to see that throughout the letter, there are some hints about how you come to this contentment. But for right now, he says that it is great contentment here, that he has the ability to be contented in whatever circumstance he's in. And that's a big, big statement. When you consider the fact that he's in a Roman prison and has been there for two years, according to Acts, the end of the, chapter, the 28th chapter. At the same time, he has a friend, Epaphroditus, and he's been sick almost to death. He knows the Philippians are concerned about him, and so he writes back that he's doing well now. And perhaps Epaphroditus carried this letter back to the Philippian church. Again, his personal affliction, whatever it may have been, it may have been his eyesight, it may have been something else that is not named, but his personal affliction in chapter 4 and verse 14. And then, as you look at verse 12, the ups and downs, filled and going hungry, having much and having little. Life is like that, isn't it? Some days are good, some days not so good. But the issue with Paul is that the Christian needs to be content in whatever circumstance he's in. If you go back to 1 Timothy chapter 6 
and verse 6 and through verse 8. What Paul is saying is godliness with contentment is great gain. I want that gain. I want to be able to see that gain in my life. But now I see, according to Paul, that it takes two things. It takes godliness that most Christians are striving for, and it takes contentment. And the contentment is the challenge. And so when we come to Philippians 4, Paul has learned the secret of contentment. And we need that contentment going in to this 2023, this new year. All around us are going to be things that kill off contentment. And we mourn for all of the difficulties and the tragedies that are in our country and in our world. But for us, as Christians, there needs to be an understanding of what Paul learned. And so this is not perfection. This contentment is not perfection. If you look back at chapter 3 and verse 12 in the letter to the Philippians, not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which I also was laid hold of by Christ. Paul says, I've not made it yet. I'm not perfect. I'm not complete. But I press on because we are talking about contentment. He says he's learned it. He knows the secret of it. And yet at the same time, he says, I've not yet made it. Strange. Contentment is a strange bird. And so Paul will have the joy of learning it and wants us to learn it as well. I'd like to give you a definition that I hope you think will work for the word godliness. Faith in practice. Faith in practice. Doesn't have anything to do with perfection. Doesn't have anything to do with what some people would want to say about us if we spoke about trying to live a godly life. Oh, you're the people that think you're perfect. Not so. Faith in practice. Faith without the practice doesn't get much. But faith and practice seem to me a good definition of this godliness. And what about that contentment? I've named several things. Paul's imprisoned. He's been concerned about a loved one. He's got personal afflictions and the ups and downs of life. We all go through those. Every one of them, except the imprisonment, imprisonment, we can share with the Apostle Paul. Kevin just prayed for a number of people in our congregation and in our knowledge who are struggling with their health. Some of you are struggling with your health. Some with age, some with other things. But we know about that, just as he knows about Epaphroditus. And then the problem of personal affliction, whatever it was, whatever yours is, Paul understood about affliction. And then there's the ups and downs of life. Some we can't do anything about. Some we can do something about. Now, having said all of that, 
I want you to note very carefully the power of the contentment that Paul talks about in verse 11 and 12. Fifteen times in this letter, some say sixteen times, Paul talks about joy and rejoicing. And you ought to read the letter completely and underline every time those words appear, joy and rejoicing. Remember, he's writing from a Roman prison. And yet, there's something else about those 15 times of joy and rejoicing. Ten of them, ten of them, have to do with his relationship to the church in Philippi. You know, I'm going to guess that an awful lot of my joy and my rejoicing over the years has been in connection with the church. I'm not sure that we really appreciate, but I hope we do, the joy that can be ours through just being a part of this congregation. I've been blessed to be a part of several congregations to preach to about five. And the joy that we can have one to another is something special. The Philippian congregation was so special to Paul. They had sent something to him. I'm not sure what it was. It might have been money. It may have just been food. But he says, no, I, I really don't need it. I've learned the secret of contentment. But I'm glad you sent anyway. I'm glad for my relationship with Christians both here and the places I've known. And so are you. We come together in spite of the cold, in spite of all the other things that could keep us away, because there's something special about being together as a congregation of the Lord's people. And then notice verse 11, in whatever circumstance. You know, it's hard to imagine. We have to believe him, because after all, he's an apostle inspired of God. And he says, in whatever circumstance I'm in, ups, downs, ends, out, I'm content in my mind and in my heart. There is a passage that I love in the book of Ephesians. And I think it fits right here. Ephesians 1, 17 and 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened that you may know the hope of his calling you, the riches of his inheritance in the saints, and his surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. When Paul talks about his contentment in whatever circumstance, I think the eyes of his heart must have been right on target. And then we come to probably the most important part of our study. And that is verse 13. Because verse 13 is the reason for his contentment. And so we're going to spend some time on that verse. Verse 13 does not stand by itself. So many times I've heard it taken out of context. I can do all things 
through Christ who strengthens me. And they're thinking of some monumental, powerful, wonderful blessing that Christ has given them so that they can do amazing things. The amazing thing that Paul can do through the strength that Christ has produced in him is to be content in whatever circumstance he's in. So think with me about the knowing here. And by the way, it's interesting that both in verse 11 and 12, the word I know is a word for, the Greeks called it oida. And it means I have no doubt. I absolutely know beyond the shadow of a doubt. I know the secret of being content. And it's because of the strength that Christ provides for me. There is a strength in Christianity. Go away from it for a while and you realize that you're better off with it. Paul had understood that there was something that he could lean back on, a secret, if you please, that allowed him to be in a Roman prison and yet to look more favorably on life than so many multitudes who are better off. And so I want to think with you about the rest of the book because if Paul comes across so strongly about his contentment, his being able to find strength in Christ Jesus, there has got to be some hints in the letter about how he arrives at this stage. And so I'm going to search. And I want to encourage you to do this. On your own, after we've gone through about five, somewhere in your daily life, take the book of Philippians and see if you can find occasions when what Paul writes is the key to his contentment. I find one over in chapter 1. And come over to verse 12 of chapter 1. Now I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances, what are they? Imprisonment. That my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel, so that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and everyone else. Now what I want you to focus on is this. The words have turned out. Do you see that? You know what that means? Paul's imprisonment, he now looks at it and he says, you know, it worked out for the good. I received yesterday a mission paper from Eastern European Missions. And it was mainly about what's going on over in the war uh, and uh, between Russia and Ukraine. And they were, one young lady wrote this. She says, amazingly, this war has opened up the minds of my fellow citizens to want to know about God. And I thought of this statement of Paul, that my imprisonment has turned out for the betterment. 
The Praetorian Guard was the palace guard. And they've all heard about it. They wouldn't have heard about it if Paul hadn't been in prison. And it would just go on like waves from the ocean. How many times in our own lives must we look back and say, things have turned out for the better, for the good. There have been many times in my life as a preacher that things turned out for the better. Individuals have learned something about what Christ can do for them, the strength that is involved. But then I found another one. The 15 times that he speaks of joy and rejoice. Now, if you were in a Roman prison, and there's a hint in one time in Philippi that he was in the inner prison, that means he was in a pit in darkness. And yet he and Silas sang praises, and the Philippian jailer heard him singing, and his whole house was converted. Those are the kind of people that he writes this letter back to. And I've already mentioned the fact that of those 15 times, 10 had to do with a church in Philippi. Number three, if you look at chapter 3 and verse 12, mentioned this before, but there's a little statement here. Not that I have already obtained it or already become perfect, but I, see those two words, press on, press on. Paul himself speaks of pressing on, not quitting, pressing on. Don't quit, press on. In the Christian Chronicle some time back, there was an article, what's happening to the churches? Numbers are smaller. This congregation is smaller than it was two years ago. The congregation that I closed out my preaching is smaller than it was when I was preaching there. Many congregations across the land are smaller. We need to press on. Every one of us will come to a point in which we will say, you know, it'd be so much easier to just cop out, to just stop trying not pressing forward. And yet we do, and amazing things happen. Doors open, opportunities come. Just as Paul said, it's turned out. Now the whole Praetorian Guard has heard about Christ. Never would have happened if I wasn't up here in this Roman prison. And then again, in chapter 4, look at verse 4 through seven. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I will say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men the Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Now here's the test of your faith. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You talk about the strength of chapter 4 and verse 13. There it is. All it requires is our prayers 
and our faith. I noticed the word comprehension, big long word, means understand. But they've tacked on without comprehension. You can't understand it. I learned a long time ago that some things come to you and things happen in your mind that you cannot comprehend. You feel good one day. Why? Well, I'm not sure. I just do. You feel bad one day. I don't know why, but I just do. I ought to dig myself out of this hole. And you do. And you feel better. Comprehension. Paul says you can't comprehend what goes on in your heart and in your mind. And it all comes about because you prayed and because you had faith in Philippians 4 and verse 13. There is a strength from Christ that explains why Paul can write, I have learned the secret. I know the secret. The secret of my comprehension the secret of being able to deal with whatever come, comes along is the strength that Christ gives me. I can't understand it. It's beyond comprehension. But I'll take it. And you'll take it. And the year 2023 20, will be a better year because we've taken it. Paul's statement to the young man, Timothy, Godliness is what we strive for. It's faith in action. But that contentment is there. Paul wrote, Godliness equaling contentment or fastened with contentment is great gain. And you look at your life and it's more like Abraham than Jacob. You have learned something of the secret of contentment, the strength that Christ can give us. We don't know what this new year is going to hold for us. There are some who are going to have to deal with sickness, but it doesn't take away contentment that is in Christ. Some of you will deal with financial situations, but it need not take away the contentment that Christ is more than willing to give you. Some of you will deal with things in your families, but they don't have to take away contentment that you personally can have through the strength that Christ provides. I want to be strong in this year, strong heart-wise and mentally, and you Agree with me. You want it as well. What I'm surprised at when I looked at this lesson was that contentment is not something that you hear throughout the Bible. It's not a word that is used very often even by the writers in the New Testament. And that makes it kind of unusual for Paul to connect contentment with godliness. I can understand the great gain. The great, gain. the great gain is to be able to deal with whatever comes. 
and be contented in my mind, or in my mind and in my heart. You and I, as members of the body of Christ, we're well on the way to understanding what Paul is talking about. And I encourage you to read the book of Philippians, especially if you get down and need a lift up. The letter to the Philippians is full of joy, full of rejoicing, full of challenges, and yet it comes to the end with a sign that we all want in our lives. I've learned the secret of contentment. I have learned that Christ will furnish me, the Apostle Paul, with strength for the year and for my life. May all of us learn what Paul learned and be content whatever comes along in this year. You're here some way that we can help you. And even on through the year, in your mind and in your heart, to feel what Paul talked about in this Philippian letter. That would be our greatest joy. Contentment for the year 2023. Whatever comes, it's not going to be an easy street, but it will be that we know what will fill the potholes of this year. May each of us be drawn closer to the Christ whose strength we want in our own lives. Some way that we can help you. Nathaniel is going to lead us in a song. Maybe it is a personal invitation in that song and personal between us and our Lord to have this contentment. If you're here and we can help you some way, let us know while we stand and while we sing.